Good morning, Crossing Church. How's everybody doing? Happy spring break? Kinda? A little bit? I don't know. We've got, we're like on the border, right? So it's like the end of some, start of others, or whatever. So, um, well, if you're a guest, you're welcome. I'm Jonathan. I'm one of the pastors here at the Crossing Church. Uh, we are going through Judges. I'll find a spot for this table here in a second. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, we're in Judges chapter 16. Uh, so we're just going to spend our time in really the tail end of Samson. Uh, last week, Gene preached on Judges chapter 14 and 15, and, and we saw the, the rise of Samson and how God used him as a judge for Israel. Uh, and what we're going to find is that he spends, a, basically he judges Israel for about 20 years, and then chapter 16 is, I think, probably about the last couple weeks. And, and what we see is this, this dive, right, of, of Samson, his, his life, um, really the, the, the framework that established him, that, that he operated off of, basically came to fruition in the last few weeks of his life. And, and so what we're going to see is that God includes this, right? We talked about this a couple weeks ago, right? Like, why do we read these stories? It's not so that we can either be like Samson or not be like Samson, right? I feel like we, we fall into that trap, right? We, we read through Bible stories and we're like, I want to be like this person or I don't want to be like this person. Well, we all want to be like Christ. And so we're, we're intending to reflect the glory of God on this earth and, and that's it. Right, so all of these people are fallible, sinful people, and and God uses these stories to teach us about who He is, to teach us about who we are, and I think this morning what we're going to see is a lot about who we are, and then at the end of Samson's life, we're going to see just how gracious and patient is our God with just how jacked up we are. So before I get started, let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for giving us this time. I pray, God, that um, as we open up your word, that you would speak truths this morning into our hearts that only your Holy Spirit can do. Um, God, I pray that if I'm about to say something up here that you want me to say, I pray that you would cause me to forget it. And um, if there's something that you want me to say that uh, I wasn't planning on, I, I pray that you would cause me to say it. I I pray, Father, that um, you would remove any obstacles that we have this morning, any distractions in our lives. Allow us to pour over your word. Allow us to hear from you this morning. God, we love you, and we want to live lives that are glorifying to you. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So what is the purpose of our life? <laughs> we'll just start there. I mean... This is, this is what we're going to see, and I'll just give you a, a quick overview. We're going to see that Samson achieved success. He got to where he wanted to be. He, he judged Israel for 20 years, so probably 19 and a half of that, right? God gave him strength, and time and time again, his, his strength is used to defeat the Philistines and to, to conquer to the point where you got to imagine that Samson's reputation was probably pretty phenomenal, right? I mean, I don't know. Think about it. Think about what it would be like to know that you could go anywhere and you would not be harmed. Like, you could do anything you wanted. I mean, 
A thousand men with a donkey's jawbone kind of tells us that, that Samson could probably defend himself just fine. So he could say anything to anybody. It wouldn't matter if they were offended or if they threw a punch at him. He, he could go into Philistine territory, which we're going to see he does, and he can kind of just do whatever he wants. You see, what we've seen in Samson's life in chapters 14 and 15 kind of built up to this, right? We see him at the very outset. He tells his parents, go get that woman for me, that Philistine woman. I want to marry her. It's very directive towards his father, which, I don't know, <laughs> depends on the relationship you have with your father, I guess. But I'm like, ooh, I wouldn't have said that to my dad. I mean, maybe once. Right? And, and this, is, this is how Samson talks. And then we see him, right, he destroys this lion. And, and Gene even pointed out, right, like he's a Nazarite set aside from birth for God's purposes. Like that's what he's intended to be and do in his life. And he kind of, that's just kind of background noise for him. Right? He, he touches the dead carcass. He kills people, which I'm not sure if that would be touching a dead person or not, but I mean, he kills a thousand people, right? Like, like he's living and he's enjoying the strength that God is giving him. And then what we're going to see is from this high, from this place of comfort and success, he, he loses what he's doing. He, he's losing his focus. And, and actually, you could make an argument, and if you go back, I'd encourage you to go back and look at chapters 14 and 15. What's Samson's motivation? What's his purpose? What's his why? You know what it never says? Is that Samson is doing anything for God's glory. Never, ever. Samson is given strength by God for reasons we cannot fathom. But God decides to do this with Samson. And Samson really just wants glory, and he wants revenge, right? Everything, those men, like the thousand men, like that wasn't him trying to free Israel from Philistine oppression. He never says that. It's because they, they, they did things with his family and his wife, and, and right? Like, I mean, it's all very just Samson. It's, it's about Samson, and Samson is about Samson. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And I think if we, if we, right, then we try to apply these things to us and we go, who am I about? <laughs> who are we about? What motivates us? What's our why? And as we go through this, I think what we're going to see is that, that there's, there's some really interesting, particular ways that sin operates in our lives. So subtle that if we don't, pay attention to it, we might just go through life like Samson did, not realizing that it was always there. You see, Samson had conquered everything in his life except for the thing that destroyed him, which was his sin. We, we can conquer everything in life, right? I mean, we can be successful. We can accomplish all of our objectives. Maybe you have. Maybe you're like, what else? Maybe you haven't, and you're Maybe you haven't, and you're still like trying to, to get to that point where you have achieved some semblance of success. I would argue both of those are the same motivation that Samson had. 
And it was for your own glory. It was for my own glory. You see, we like feeding our own egos. And so did Samson. And what it starts out with is usually something very subtle. And it doesn't seem bad. It's just the way sin encroaches into our lives is like a, it's like a boa constrictor or a python, right? Like it's slow. It wraps around and it constricts the blood flow. It constricts our life to the point by the time we realize what's going on in our lives, sin has completely incapacitated us. And it's, and it's at that point that we see at the very end of chapter 16 that Samson is going to cry out and recognize what is going on. But even then, even then, he's still confused. And so I want us, as we read through this, don't look at Samson's story for just Samson's story. Some of you, it might be like spot on. But look at it from a perspective of what God is trying to teach us as people, how, how deep and pervasive our sin is. And what it starts off with, we're going to be in Judges chapter 16, verse 1, and it says, Samson went to Gaza. That's it. That's the very beginning of the verse. Very beginning of the chapter. And that is like the most loaded sentence in this entire chapter. So let me give you some background info. Gaza, Philistine territory. Big city. He would have been known. Samson would have been. He goes there by himself. And we don't know why. <laughs> so, so put yourself in this scenario, right? So here's Samson. He's one. This is like his 20th year of ruling in Israel or being a judge in Israel. And he goes, you know what? I want to go to my enemy's land. Right now, they had defeated them, but that didn't mean that they like, didn't exist anymore. They were just separated. And we'll actually see there, there's a river in the Valley of Sorek actually like, divided the two countries. And so on one side of the river, archaeologists have actually found like, like pig's bones and stuff. And on the other side of the river, guess what there isn't? Pig's bones, because the Jewish people didn't eat pig, right? So, so you have this dividing line between these two countries. And so what does Samson do? Because he's invincible. I'm going to go to Gaza. I'm going to go to Philistine. Why not? We don't know why. Kind of have some hints based on the second part of this verse. That maybe he just had some objectives in his own mind. He saw a prostitute and he went into her. Now, was that the full reason Samson went to Gaza? We don't know. But what we do know is that he left at midnight and he didn't go back. <laughs> Oh, he, he got dragged back there, but he didn't go back on his own accord. And so we have this construct. So picture this Samson, right? He's achieved success. Why did he go to Gaza? What was the purpose of this? And why did he go by himself? Which is really interesting, right? Like you've got the judge, the guy that's in charge of all of Israel. I would imagine there were some people that like worked for him. He's like, you guys stay back here. I'm going to go on a trip. So he goes on this anonymous jaunt down to Gaza. I think a lot of our stories start that way because it seems very innocuous. It's like, well, okay, he went to Gaza. What's the big deal? Um, 
I think that's where a lot of our, um, I think that's where sin takes us, into places that seem benign, right? It's, it's, it's as if w- Samson, Samson could control everything. He could control everything. Except the thing that he needed to control, which was the sin inside of him, right? And, he, and this is ultimately the whole story behind this, is that Samson has no ability to control his sin problem. We have no ability to control our sin problem. We can't do it. There's no amount of external accomplishments or success that we can do that's going to solve the sin in your heart. That, that's part of the reason why God is including this story for us. He wants us to understand that, that for all that Samson could do, there was one thing that he really could not do at all. And it was that, and it was that thing that was of eternal significance. And it's the same for us. And this is why this is good news of Jesus Christ, right? That, that he rescues us. He solves our sin problem. And so just like Samson, we, are, we might be able to control these outward and external things in our lives. But there's one area of our lives that we all know, looking around. You, I mean, look around the room. You, you can look at everybody in here and you can go, they've sinned. <laughs> and, and not only that, you can look around the room and you can go, you know what? We're all going to sin tomorrow probably. What are we doing about it? What can we do about it? Do you want to? Probably not. You probably don't want to sin. In fact, some of us are struggling trying to overthrowing and conquer sin in our lives. And sometimes it's, it just pops up out of nowhere and you're not expecting it. What do we do about these things? And this is, why, this is why the gospel is such good news because you can't do anything about it. And then, in fact, it's the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his blood that was shed for us, that conquers our sin problem. See, and, and how does it conquer it? It's not that we're never going to sin again, but it's that we're going to hate our sin. You see, that's the solution, that the, the Holy Spirit lives in us and our affections are changed. So don't think that this is a, an issue that like Samson could have like asked God for spiritual strength and he could have just not sinned anymore. Well, biblically, we, we read like there's nobody that has ever done that minus Jesus. And so this is why, this is where Samson's at. He has control over all these things except the sin in his own life. And so we do the same thing. We go down to Gaza. Woke up in the middle of the night, and I just decided to log on to my computer. It's just, it's just a, con- a good conversation with a friend. It's not going anywhere. I just like to be listened to. If I just work a little bit longer, a little bit harder, I will achieve what I want to achieve. Right? We, we tell ourselves these lies, and that's the python wrapping around our leg. And we go, well, I can get close to it, but not get burned. This is what we do. We toy with sin. And that's what Samson did. He toyed with sin. He went, you know what? I think I could probably get close. I could probably enjoy it and and not reap the repercussions of it. 
We're all in the same boat, right? That's what we all do in, in different ways, in different, in different places of our lives. And so this is where Sam's at. This is, this is his pride. This is our pride, and this is what it does. Our pride says, I've controlled this part of my life, and therefore, I must be able to control this part of life. And, and so I can control all of my life. And so we live our lives in this proud place. And we read in Proverbs 16, 18 that pride goes before destruction. Sorry. Pride goes before destruction. The haughty spirit before the fall. That's what Satan fell from, was pride. And yet pride is seen in our culture as not really that bad. If you can back it up, I guess. So skip down to verse 4. So here's, so Samson, uh, so he's in Gaza. Sorry, let me, let me pause for here for a second. So he's in Gaza and they, they set a trap for him because they all know he's there because it's Samson. And uh, so they set a trap for him, and he walks out, and he, like, lifts the gate up and walks and carries it to the top of the mountain because he's so strong. And he escapes from Gaza. And he's, and he's on his way home, and he goes through the valley of Sorek. And there he sees Delilah. Verse 4 says, After this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Seduce him and see where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him and that we may bind him to humble him. It's interesting. His adversaries want to do the same thing that God wants to do. Create in us humility. And we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies and how you might be bound that one could subdue you. The, the story gets humorous if it wasn't so sad. If the first question your boyfriend or girlfriend asks you is, how much money do you have in your account? You might want to just leave. It's not reciprocated, probably. And so we read this and we go, this is what Delilah asked him. Hey, so, you know, you're really strong and all, and you defeated me and my people and all of this, and why are you so strong? Tell me, what's your secret? I, I, know, I know we just met yesterday, but, you know, what's your secret? It's just, it seems ridiculous. And I think we would all say, that sounds ridiculous, until we look at our own lives. And when we start toying with our own sin and we go, well, how many times have I done the same thing? different ways, different words, different people. And I go, well, I, maybe, maybe I'll just play the game here for a little bit. Samson doesn't walk away. In fact, what he does, I'm going to paraphrase kind of the next few verses. What he does is he just tells her a lie. So he knew. He knew what was going on here, right? You guys with me on this? Samson did not get tricked by Delilah. He was a rational human being, and he went, I'm going to lie to her. Why? So that she'll leave me alone about it? And so that we can enjoy this evening. And so that's what happens. He lies. And she goes, okay. He wakes up. 
hey, that's weird. I'm bound with the things that I told my girlfriend would take away my strength. He breaks them, defeats the Philistines. This happens three times, you guys. And so Delilah goes back to him and says the same thing again. Hey, remember when we, I asked you, you lied. Will you tell me the truth now? And he lies again. This happens three times. What do we have going on here? What's the play? What's, what's Samson doing? Think about this, okay? And you got to put yourself into Samson's mindset. I don't know what I was trying to say there. Frame of mind. He's strong. He's the strongest out there. So every morning he wakes up, he's like, this is going to be so funny because they're going to think that they're going to be able to get me. But they're not going to be able to get me. I'm going to break the things and I'm going to kill them. It's going to be great. I mean, this is what he's got to be thinking, right? Like, he's like, this is, he's, he's the one that's actually setting the trap. So time and time again, this keeps happening. What is that doing? That is feeding his ego, right? He's like, tell, tell, tell me again how strong I am. That's right. Let's do this again. Tomorrow night? All right, sounds good. He's feeding his ego. He's feeding his desires. It's a win-win from Samson's perspective. He's like, I can play this game all day long. I'm not getting burned. I, in fact, Samson's like, I can't get burned. I'm invincible. Like, I could literally do this my entire life. First, it's anonymous. Nobody knows me. I'm not in Israel, so it's okay. Man, it, does this not, like, speak in volumes of our sin problems? <laughs> and we're like, I can just, I can, oh, can just kind of keep this going. It's okay. I can keep this conversation with this other person going. Because it's not a big deal. Because I'm in control. Because I can control these things. Over and over and over again. Until, until you get to verse 15. She says, and she said to him, how can you say I love you? Which means he said I love you, by the way. When your heart is not with me, you have mocked me these three times, and you have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. All right, we, we, we see a flip here. And this is what sin does. Here, here's the flip. All of a sudden now, Samson, who was in control of the situation who was getting everything he wanted. He's like, I got this. I'm playing with sin, but it, it's good. I'm a Nazarite. I'm set apart for God, but, you know, whatever. This is, this is me time. His soul was vexed to death. I looked up that word vexed because I was like, I don't use that term normally. And it, it actually means, I, I thought it meant like, um, like hypnotized. I don't know why I thought that, but I looked it up. I'm popping and cracking a bunch here. Sorry. It's not my old age, I don't think. Um, um, it, it doesn't mean like hypnotized. It means annoyed. It means like he was frustrated. Um, and so Samson gets frustrated at this whole situation. And he tells her. <laughs> I'm like, what an idiot. <laughs> what? You, I mean, you had the game going. Just keep making up things forever and ever. But what does sin do? It, it, it gets in deep. 
We see this all the time, don't we, with famous people that fall hard. You're like, what happened? It seemed like they had everything. They did. Everything external, everything temporal, nothing that matters. But they did. And we see this crash, and, and this is exactly the crash. This is what happens with Samson. He's like, all of a sudden now, he feels urged, compelled. He's so frustrated. He's like, mine, it's my hair. <laughs> it's my seven dreadlocks, which is actually what he had. That's, that's what it was. And so he, he reveals this to her. You see, I think, I think this is the, Paul, Paul, uses this, um, Paul uses this explanation, 2 Corinthians 10, 3. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. What's Paul talking about? Samson, if Samson had read that, what would Samson have thought of that? You see, Samson's like, no, 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 I have a bunch of weapons. I got two weapons, right? I may or may not use that joke with my daughters. All right, so I'm joking, of course. Right, like, like these are lethal weapons, right? Like, this is what Samson is thinking, and, and what Paul is saying, he's like, no, 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 you're fighting the wrong war. There is no war that, like, this isn't a physical problem, it's a spiritual problem. And so this is what he's trying to explain. This is what God is trying to show Samson. And Samson falls hard. And his weapons, his strength, the gifts that God had given him are meaningless. They're worthless at this point. He could have all the strength in the world. And it wouldn't solve this problem, would it? So look what it says in verse 19. It says, She made him sleep on her knees, and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. It's a sad, sad statement, isn't it? This thing that Samson had presumed he would always have, this strength, this gift God had given him. He goes, this is the same thing. He, he thought he could do whatever with it. What was Samson's why in life? Him, himself. God had given him this blessing, and what did he do with it? Slept with a prostitute, slept with this other lady, and like just enjoyed life, fed his own ego. What, what, are, what are we doing with the gifts God has given us? Feeding our own ego, trying to control our situations. We're not, we're not far off from this. You see, and, when, and the same thing Samson needed to be rescued from, we need to be rescued from. And, and God places this story of Samson as, as a, an alarm for us to read this and to go, you understand that you're not far off from this. 
In fact, this is much more similar to your life than you might initially think. Yeah, you may not have superhuman strength, but God has blessed you in other realms. And then the question we need to ask ourselves is, what is our why? What, why do I exist? What's the purpose of my life? In Romans 2.4, Paul describes, talking to the Pharisees, he describes to them, he, he's like, do you understand that, you, that in your life, you are presuming upon God's kindness. Like, you're living this life. You're doing whatever you want to do, whatever you think is right in your own eyes. And God is patient with you. And you take that as approval. And that's where Samson was. He's like, well, God's not stopping me. I still have his strength. I guess that, I guess that means I can keep doing what I'm doing. I'm not even moving, I don't think. Um, we do the same thing, right? Same thing. But here's the amazing, beautiful part of this, is that our God loves us. He loves us incredibly so, and he loved Samson. Look what it says in verse 22. Sorry, I guess I, let me, before I get to that, let me back up. So, so, so he gets his head shaved, and they catch him, and they gouge out his eyes, which you guys all probably have heard the story, right? They gouge out his eyes, and then he's like pushing a mill or something, I don't know, grinding at the mill, whatever that is. It doesn't sound fun. Um, and he's in prison, and he's back in Gaza, and he's in Philistine territory now, and, and that's it. Right? Crash and burn. Like nothing. It, it, all, all that he had done is now wasted. And then in verse 22, and this is, this is the beautiful part of God's grace. It says, but the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Why is that God's grace? Maybe it's a military oversight. But if you just shaved off the guy's hair, who was invincible, I think I would be shaving his head every day. No? Well, he's in pre I mean, is this not like if-then statement, like 101? Like, I don't even understand how, they could how this could be an oversight. But they put him in a jail, and his hair grows. You see... I think God has humor, but I, I think there, there's also this beautiful picture of grace in, in places that we wouldn't necessarily expect it. And that God goes, you know what? They're, gonna, they're not going not, not to keep track of this. And sure enough, the hair grows back on his head. And then we read in verse 23, it says, Now the lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, our God has given Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, our God has given our enemy into our hand, the ravager of our country who has killed many of us. What was the effect of Samson's rebellion, of his pride, of his fall? From God's perspective, you had People who then thought that Dagon, this golden piece of metal, 
was more powerful than the creator of the universe, Yahweh. And they celebrated that and they were rejoicing in that. You see, I think, I think often we forget that like, we, we say and we want to live lives that are glorifying to God. But if we can live lives that are glorifying to God, then we can live lives that are defaming to him. Can't we? And we can live lives, and he, Paul even talks about this, that, that we can live lives that, that cause the Gentiles, meaning people outside of the church, to blaspheme God because they look at us and they go, if that's what following Christ is, I want nothing to do with it. And they look at Samson and they go, well, apparently his God is nothing. To him, because of what he did, and, and it shows because we won. You see, I, we forget that. We forget that our lives are for God's glory. Right? Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Right? Like, like we're not, we ought not to be living for our own purposes. Like, we were created for a purpose, and that's to glorify God. And so, if we're going around trying, trying to win, trying to win in this society, or reach accomplishments, or success, or control our world, we've totally missed what we're trying to do, or what we were created to do, which was glorify God and, and point to the fact that there is, there is one aspect that we cannot control whatsoever, and that's our sin problem, and only Jesus has a solution to our sin problem. Verse 25 says, And when their hearts were merry, they said, Call Samson that he may entertain us. I think that's interesting, right? Because... Samson was the one being entertained every morning, every night. I don't think it's me. I don't know. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he entertained them. They made him stand between the pillars, and Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, let me feel the pillars on which the house rests, that I may lean against them. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> it's so funny. Now the house was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there. And on the roof, there were about 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, and watch this, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. <laughs> he still doesn't get it. At the very end, like God's, God's showing all this grace to Samson. And on his deathbed, he's like, this is for my eyes, <laughs> right? Like, you know, like, dude, God loves us. And he shows us grace. And I think from Samson's perspective, and he, he I don't even think I finished that. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one, his left hand on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. If that doesn't tell us that, that God is sovereign, and that he's going to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in our lives. Whether, whether we fight against him or we go with him. 
but it's not, it's not a purpose of ambivalence. Like I think like what could, what would, did God want to do with Samson as a Nazarite, as all this strength? What, what could he have done? And I think God points it out very clearly. By the way, just so we're clear, when he died at the very end selfishly for his own glory, he killed more people right then than he had all the rest of the time. When I forced this, I achieved more than he did. Like, it's pretty interesting. It's pretty revealing, right, of how our God operates in our lives. You know, for us, we can, we can live lives in rebellion, pursuing our own objectives, trying to control our world, thinking we can get close to sin without getting burned. And our God is so gracious to us that he solved the sin problem for us. This isn't something that, that we need to fix in our lives. We need to go to the cross. And, and, we, can, and we can go there freely, right? Like there's no criteria. Like we just, we just go to Christ and we go, I'm jacked up and I don't know how to solve this. And he goes, you're right, you are. And you're right, you don't know how to solve this and you can't solve this. But I can, and I did, and I sent my son to die for you. That's why this is good news. And so when we read this story of Samson, we need to be asking ourselves, what's our purpose? What's our why? What motivates us? And do we recognize? Do we recognize how subtle sin is in our lives? I will tell you guys personally for me, like this this is a, a, a great story. I mean, and I've, I've told you guys before, you know, I don't know, it's getting more and more years ago, so I can't do the numbers, but I don't know. Like 10 years ago, this was exactly where God communicated to me, like, my pride in my life. And it was because I thought I could control the situation. I was good at controlling a lot of situations, just not the one that really mattered. Thank God he was gracious and he saved me from that. Where, where does God want to save you? Give up. Give up trying to control your life because God wants to use us. And, and in that, when we live, when we turn our lives over and we can say that it's no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me, that's where we find peace. That's where we find contentment. That's where we find real satisfaction in life. Let me pray.